Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. It's the Brian Lehrer TV Club. We've been watching the final season of Parks and Recreation together for the fun of it and because it's the wonkiest, nerdiest, public policy-loving sitcom with Amy Poehler you would ever want to see. And on Tuesday night, it ended like this. Teddy Roosevelt once said, Far and away, the best prize that life has to offer is a chance to work hard at work worth doing. And I would add that what makes work worth doing is getting to do it with people that you love. Amy Poehler's character, Leslie, who goes on to be governor of Indiana, and maybe even more, they leave that as a tantalizing tease, waxing philosophical in that clip in a way that kind of sums up the whole show. Do good work in the public interest and do it with people you love. How's that for a clean premise in a cynical time? Back with us one more time is Linda Holmes, who writes and talks about television for NPR's Monkey See Pop Culture blog. Find it at NPR Monkey See on Twitter or npr.org slash blogs slash Monkey See. She's been joining us every week in the TV club. And uh, it's great to have you back, Linda, one more time. Hi, thanks for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. And in your farewell to Parks and Rec Peace on Monkey See, you wrote that it didn't start out as a show about love. It started out being about the mundane frustrations of the public servant. How do you think it changed over time? I think that over time, the show, um, as the characters developed, it became more able to focus on the relationships between people, um, a couple of which were romantic and many of which were various kinds of deep, deep friendships. And I think the more they got to know these characters, the more the people who were writing the show became fascinated by the interplay between them. Um, so so sort of the heart of the show became that. Although I think the other thing about the show is that it it holds that you cannot fully separate the personal from work in public service for exactly the reason that Leslie was saying, that her concern for her friends and her compassion for her friends is connected to why she wants to be a public servant yeah. servant and do the work she does. And I was struck watching this season more closely than I've watched previous ones at how many functional families and functional relationships there were. Truly sweet, supportive marriages between Leslie and Ben and April and Andy and the friendship between Leslie and Ron, her libertarian boss. You watch so much more television than I do. How rare is that these days? I think it's very rare. I think television comedy in the 80s and 90s, and I talked about this a little bit in that piece that you referenced, television comedy in the 80s and 90s went through this period where it was very saccharine and it was perceived accurately to fall into that. And then you kind of had Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm and some of these other shows that were much more acidic and asserted their right to not contain those elements of, of kind of high sweetness and lesson learning. And I think Parks and Rec has been a little bit of a rediscovery of you also have the right to assert that you can have those elements, that you can have some sweetness and 
You know, I I think as you say, it's a it's a deeply deeply felt show and and has these deep deep relationships. I think the marriage between Leslie and Ben in particular is very unusual for television because it is such a partnership of equals. And here's an example of that from the finale: Leslie and Ben are both approached by different Democratic Party operatives to run for governor. They each really want it. They're both qualified, but they each couldn't imagine being greedy against the other. Here they are trying to figure out who should run. Plus, if one of us runs, it doesn't mean we're going to win. Right. And it's not like this is the only career option for either of us. So all that matters is that we are good. Right. Which is why I have an idea. I think we should flip a coin. I mean it. Let's literally flip a coin. Because whoever runs is going to do a great job, and whoever doesn't run is going to be right alongside the other one, offering advice and support and whatever they need. So it doesn't matter. So let's flip a coin. Okay, you, Leslie Nope, the queen of planning and binders and pro and con lists. You want to leave this to chance? Yes, because whatever's next, you and I are in it together. So let's go tell everybody, and they can participate, and they can sign the coin, and then, you know, the coin will eventually make its way into the Smithsonian. Ha. So Linda Holmes, NPR-TV critic, that was so funny, the idea of flipping a coin to see who'd run for governor. Maybe Hillary Clinton or Elizabeth Warren should do that. But it was also just so sweet, the egalitarian married political couple saying they would toss a coin to see who would run for governor. Did you love that? I did love that. And then, of course, that's not what they did, because he he came to the conclusion that— in this individual moment in their lives that it it meant more to her, it was more important to her. And that, you know, stepping back from opportunities because of, of the effect on people that you deeply love is something people do all the time. But I think that show over the years that they built that relationship kind of earned the right to tell that story in a way that not a lot of comedies have. Yeah, he decides to defer because after all, she's Leslie Nobamy Poehler. But in context, you wrote that the portrayal of an actual good husband and good man on TV is rare these days. Is the whole TV landscape, again, for you who watches so much more television than I do, is the whole TV landscape made up of Homer Simpson dads at this point? No, I, I don't think that. I don't. I wouldn't go that far. But I think it is much more common for men to be portrayed as wonderful husbands because they are, you know, e- even sort of minimally warm to to families um, or minimally able to take care of kids. And I felt like this picture of him as kind of profoundly nurturing to her and profoundly impressed by her and willing to set his own interests aside happily. Not kind of grudgingly, but this was really what he wanted to do to make himself happy as well as her. That, that is unusual. Um, you also wrote on Monkey See that very few shows could get away with as many happy endings for as many characters as this finale had. But you don't dismiss it as pie in the sky, kumbaya. You call it wish fulfillment as character development. That's so interesting. What's an example of that? Well, an example of that would be Ron Swanson, who uh, has been, this, as you mentioned, Le- Leslie's libertarian friend. Um, you know, I think wh- the way the show treated what Ron re- really wanted was that Leslie helped arrange for him to run a, a national park. And what that meant, she told him, was that he would work outdoors. As she put it, you would work outdoors. You would talk to bears. Um 
He wants solitude. And the show does not insist that there is one way to be a happy person and that Leslie is going to go around and teach all these people how to be a happy person. She wouldn't want that life, but that's what he wants. And he really does want that. He doesn't need to learn to be like her. He needs his own his own way. And what gives him meaning in his life is nature and solitude and, and, and silence. So here's that clip. Um, this is... Leslie telling her libertarian friend, Ron Swanson, about the job opening that she thinks would be perfect for him running Pawnee National Park, even though, remember, he's anti-government and he actually competed with her for that land earlier in the season, trying to privatize it into an office park. I got to tell you, Leslie, establishing this national park right next to Pawnee is quite an accomplishment. This is a fine piece of land you saved. Thank you, Ron. You want to run it? The superintendent of Bryce Canyon retired, and I convinced the superintendent of this park to transfer. Shuffled a few things around. The point is, someone needs to take care of this place now. Thought it should be you. I... Well, first of all, I would be working for the federal government. Your job would be to walk around the land alone. You'd live in the same town you've always lived in. You'd work outside, you'd talk to bears. Next argument. Well, there must be dozens of people gunning for this job. I wouldn't want you to ruffle any feathers. Am I even qualified? Well, a few people might be annoyed, but they'll get over it. And as far as your qualifications, you're Ron Swanson. Stop being a dummy and accept. When do I start? Oh, today. I already accepted for you. I still remember how to forge your signature. <laughs> and so, Linda, you conclude that libertarian Ron wasn't a vacuous capitalist after all. He just found deep meaning in different ways than the public servant, Leslie. And that's character development in the final episode. Yeah, I, I think they found a way for him to have a very individualized version of, of happiness. Let me do one more. April, the kind of goth nihilist character who I have found probably the richest in terms of character exploration this year as she struggles to grow into adulthood. She reluctantly agrees to have kids with her upbeat, loving husband, Andy. But then in an all-time great scene, she decides to go through labor wearing ghostly Halloween white face makeup. <laughs> who would even think to write such a scene in a gentle sitcom? But there it was. Yeah, they... Uh... They have loved April, and I think they have loved um, charting a path for her. And, you know, I, I think there are a lot of people who have a little bit of ambivalence about what having kids is going to be like. Not everybody hurls themselves into it thinking this is something I'm absolutely positive is going to be wonderful. And I think that um, I think that understanding that that she had some hesitancy about it and did it anyway. Sure, lots of people uh, do, but she had ambivalence about anything, waking up in the morning, having right, meaning, no. going to work. Absolutely. And I think what she learned over time was how to, to feel that way and acknowledge that she felt that way and try things anyway. And and she got a lot of that from her marriage and she got a lot of it from being mentored by Leslie and she got a lot of it from friends. And so here's the fitting exchange between April and Andy, husband and wife, about what to name the baby. Burt Macklin Jr.? Mm, we need a Halloween angle. How about Demon Spawn Baby Satan Dwyer? Oh, I like that. Yeah. Or uh, maybe Burt Snakehole Ludgate Karate Dracula Macklin Demon Jack Lantern Dwyer. We call him Jack for short. <laughs> and sure enough, they <laughs> named the baby Jack. 
Yeah, they are for a couple all that, unlike any other. All yeah. that dark goth stuff. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. So, so I asked our followers on Twitter, Linda, what show our TV club might go on to next now that Parks and Rec is done. Some of the suggestions were High Maintenance, Better Call Saul, Shameless. And several people said, how about just go on to the next big final season thing of a meaningful show, which would be Mad Men. Are you into the Mad Men final season? Are you following it? I am. I think Mad Men, I'm, I'm very excited to see that that uh, final season, but I will be almost as reluctant to see that go as I am to see this go. If the central organizing gimmick of the Parks and Rec final season was moving it ahead in time by three years, does Mad Men have a central organizing gimmick for these last few months? Oh, who knows? They never tell you what the central organizing gimmick uh, gimmick might be. They're extremely secretive, so I don't think anybody knows very much about what they might uh, build that season around yet. Have you seen Better Call Saul yet, the prequel to Breaking Bad? I have. It's terrific. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. And I haven't seen High Maintenance. That's a web comedy, isn't it? It is, and it's one that I have not seen, but I have hear I have heard wonderful things about from uh, from friends. So, listeners, we want your help in establishing the object of the next Brian Lehrer TV Club. So, tweet at Brian Lehrer and uh, get a list going, and then maybe we'll we'll even have that conversation on the air a little bit and hear about what you're watching this season. And we'll talk about it in the office, of course. So, you can post it to our webpage wnyc.org. Click on Brian Lehrer Show or tweet at Brian Lehrer. And Linda Holmes, you've been so great helping us through this first little six-week TV club watching the last season of Parks and Rec. So thanks so much for your insights and for playing along in general. Oh, thank you so much for asking. Linda Holmes, NPR TV critic on their Monkey C pop culture blog at Monkey C on Twitter. 